3: Hey folks, this is Kevin. On this week's episode of Risk, you'll hear John
4: Kois. Actually, I have the perfect guy for you. And I'm like, you don't really know me, but why is he perfect for me? And she's like, because he's gay. I'm like, right, I'm gay. He's gay. So we're perfect for each other. Okay. Now here's the show.
3: Hello, kids, this is Risk, the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I'm Kevin Allison, this is the True Loves behind me now, and we're calling this week's episode, Rebounds. Now, in a little bit, we're going to hear from Edith Gonzalez, she shared a great story with us uh, the last time that Risk was in New York City, but before that someone who came to do our New York show all the way from Montreal. Oh, I'll tell you, it was so exciting to hear him say that storytelling is kind of catching on in Montreal because I would love to bring the show back there. You can find John on Instagram at John Cotrocois, that's C-O-T-R-O-C-O-I-S, and here he is now. This is John Cotrocois with a story we call... God and Shonda.
4: Hi, guys. So, up to now, my life has been a series of unfortunate events sprinkled with, like, Uh, chaotic, dramatic moments, epic moments, including tonight being here in New York telling one of my stories. If I had to pick a theme song for my life, it would be Alanis Morissette's Isn't It Ironic? Yeah. Yeah. Every time I get on a bus, an empty bus, I will always pick the one seat that's either broken or has gum on it. Every time every single time. One time I was in Greece and I decided to take a little cute boat ride at night between islands and I thought what's the worst that could happen and I ended up in a hurricane like an actual hurricane. Lightning striking, waves crashing onto the boat, people vomiting everywhere like something out of a horror movie. Being a magnet for chaos does not help my dating life Not too many people want to deal with this mess. Not too many people want to deal with the complicated guy. I've actually been broken up with on my birthday because somebody, yeah, because the guy couldn't handle how much drama follows me, right? If I were to choose a writer for my life, it would be the woman who created Grey's Anatomy, Scandal, How to Get Away with Murder, Shonda Rhimes. One night I was watching one of her shows and a bus caught on fire and flew into a hospital. (laughs) Yeah, and I thought to myself, really, Shonda Rhimes, really? Things like that don't actually happen. That's not reality. That same night, my sister called me and said that my brother-in-law got into a bicycle accident, hit his head, and had temporary amnesia. (laughs) Carry on, Shonda Rhimes, carry on. (laughs) Living like this for the last 36 years, I try my very best to stay out of drama, especially when it comes to dating, okay? Yeah, especially when it comes to dating, I try to stay out of drama. I deleted all of the apps. I'm single and I really wanted to meet somebody so I would put myself out there and I would go to different parties and meet different people in different social circles and every single time they would try to introduce me to one specific guy who dated my ex. So my ex-boyfriend's ex-boyfriend, right? And I would always politely decline because that's drama. Not today, Shonda. Not today. (laughs) And I get to this other party, and I'm sitting next to this random girl who brought with her, like, these vegan, gluten-free seaweed cake pops. Don't get me started. And out of my desperation, I asked her if she knew anybody for me, and she said yes. She said, actually, I have the perfect guy for you. And I'm like, you don't really know me, but why is he perfect for me? And she's like, because he's gay. I'm like, right, I'm gay. He's gay. So we're perfect for each other. Okay. Okay. I asked for his name, and again, it's the same guy. It's my ex-boyfriend's ex-boyfriend. And I explained to her why I don't think it's a great idea, and she says to me, but what if it's serendipity? And I'm like, it's not serendipity. I've basically dated all of Montreal, and now I have to move. Hi, New York. (laughs) (laughs) So she's like, no, but really, it might be serendipity. I'm like, you know what? That makes me sound a little slutty, so maybe it is serendipity. Let's do this. So numbers are exchanged, and he's Greek, and his name in Greek means God. So I'm going to go on a date with God. Yeah. And God comes to pick me up in a fancy car, and I know that it's fancy because it has the four circles. And... Uh, God takes me to this really nice Thai restaurant, and guys, God is good. Like, he's really nice. He comes from a great family. Both of his parents are alive. They're still together. He's a non-smoker. Great potential, right? But just the idea of that got me into such a panic mode. Like, what if he doesn't like me? What if he rejects me because of all of these crazy things that keep happening to me? So I turn into the most basic, fake version of myself. He asks me, like, do you like your job? I'm like, I love my job. Guys, I hate my job. (laughs) He's like, do you go to the gym? I go to the gym twice a day. I don't even know where the gym is. Like, seriously? (laughs) I start laughing at every stupid, bad joke that he makes. Pretending to be somebody you're not is exhausting, but it does pass the time pretty quick. (laughs) And I looked at my watch, and I told him, I'm like, listen, at the time, I was waking up at 4.30 in the morning for work, and waking up at 4.30 in the morning is really early. It's like waking up before God, not my date, the real one he was really understanding and he brought me back to my place and he parked in front of my building and it's the end of the night. And you know, you have these thoughts in your mind, like, uh, will God figure me out? Is God going to kiss me? (laughs) Have I watched the most recent episode of how to get away with murder? And God brings me right back to earth and he's like, John, whatever happens, whether we go on more dates, whether we, you know, get married, become friends, I just want you to know that I'm a really simple guy and I'm not into drama. And I'm like, right, yeah, me too. I mean, I wish I could say the same for me, but I've actually been lost at sea one time. So, but he doesn't need to know that, right? I want to get married. So I'm like, drama, (laughs) I hate drama. Drama's gross. I'm like Mary J. Blige, no more drama. And as I say drama... God screams yeah and I look to the side and I see coming out of my condo building this little old man walking towards us like the walking dead zombie styles Uh, uh, and he drops in front of the car door really? Shonda Rhimes? really? I can't even get one night? really? and God's like John I think that person's hurt I'm like no no he's fine he's fine he does that all the time (laughs) I don't know this little old man, but I know that I don't want to deal with his drama right now. And he's like, no, John, I really think he needs our help. God has to save everybody. Jumps out of the car and goes around to help him. I turn on my cell phone and I see that I have 15 missed calls from my best friend, Janice. My mistake was not telling her that I was okay and almost home from the date. So I see her calling again, and I press speaker. Outside of the car, God is calling 911, but it's fancy because it has the four circles and picks up the 911 call inside the car. And all Janice hears is, 911 emergency, how can I help you? (laughs) And a few things you guys need to know about Janice is, she's my very best friend. She's Lebanese. She goes from zero to 100 like this. If she loves you, she will cut somebody for you. We've been to Whole Foods, and somebody pushed their carriage in my ankle and hurt me, and she started a fight. Yeah. We've been kicked out of Whole Foods. Twice. Yeah. So now we're back in the car, and Janice hears 911 emergency, how can I help you? And starts to lose her mind. Emergency! What's the emergency, John? Are you okay? And the operator thinks that Janice is in the crisis. (laughs) and says, Madam, please calm down. Please calm down. And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm like, there's a guy outside and he's hurt. There's a guy outside and he's hurt. And Janice hears hurt. Someone's hurting you? Who's hurting you? I'm going to kill them. (laughs) And the operator says, Sir, do not kill the lady. Please step away from the lady. Do not kill the lady. I'm not going to kill the lady. I'm not going to kill Janice. I'm going to kill her later, but I'm not going to kill her right now and I'm like no he's outside he's outside and Janice here is outside and she's like John he's outside it's okay it's okay John I'm coming I'm getting in my car and I'm coming with all my cousins she's Lebanese that's gonna make the night less chaotic 15 to 20 Arab men coming to my (laughs) condo. So I start screaming, Janice, do not bring 15 guys here. Do not bring 15 guys here. And the operator says, there's 15 men there. I'm sending the police. And I'm like, no, uh, what is God doing out there in general, but outside of the car? And I bang the window and he finally figures it out. And he takes the call out of the car onto the phone. Hi, calm down, Janice. And I'm ready. Bring it on, Shonda Rhimes. Bring it on. My CPR training, guys, is from like 15 years ago when you used to go, hey, hey, are you awake? Did you guys have this? And like snap your fingers and push the person's ears. Did you guys have, no? Hey, hey, are you awake? So I get out of the car and I look at the little old man and I'm like, hey, hey, are you awake? And he's like, 103, 103. He's 103 years old. And my date, God, all knowing, is like, John, he's not 103 years old. He must live in apartment 103 but that's impossible. I live in apartment 103. And unless this is an episode of YTV's Goosebumps, I don't live with this zombie person. And he's like, no, maybe it's the next building. Of course it's the next building. All the buildings look the same. So I leave the little old man in the hands of God and I go to to the next building and I press 103 and I hear, hello? It's his like mother or wife or something. And I'm like, ma'am, did you lose somebody? And she's like, I'm coming. And I wheel her to the scene now we hear sirens ambulances are coming cop cars are coming it's freaking chaotic this is my first date by the way with this guy guys and the ambulance people come out and they need help do they ask God no do they ask his wife no they ask me of course but it's okay because I've seen like 15 seasons of Grey's Anatomy so I'm basically a doctor so I put on the gloves, I'm holding the little poor man's head, and they're asking him these ridiculous questions, like, how much drugs are you on? How, how is anybody supposed to know how much drugs they're on? Or like, who's the prime minister? What do we look like? A mathematician? I don't know who the prime minister is. So I'm holding his head. And they keep asking him questions. And I'm just trying to puppet master this guy's head to yes or no questions, just so I could get the night over with. And like, sir, are you on medication? Sure. You know, sir, do you live alone? No, his wife's right there sir are you on viagra that's disgusting so i'm like no and then i'm holding his head his nose is bleeding he's shaking i'm covered in blood and i look up at god both of them and i'm like i'm drama free and my date and probably god try not to laugh and i pack up the little old man into the ambulance i put his wife in the ambulance i smack the ambulance like i'm a doctor from Grey's Anatomy. And I look at my date, and his adrenaline is pumping. And guys, for sure, he had never been through anything like that before in his life, and probably will never go through anything like that ever again. And he looks at me, and he's like, John, that was scary. That was intense. That was traumatic. And I'm like, God, that was a regular Tuesday for me. (laughs) I learned a lot that night with God. I learned that you should never hide who you really are because one way or another, the truth will always come out. I also learned that all of this chaos, all of this drama, it's written for me, and I'm okay with that, and I accept it now because it has brought me to the exact moment where I'm supposed to be right now. Yeah. Besides, me and God would have never worked out. Uh, we don't really believe in the same things, and he didn't even know who Shonda Rhymes was. I can't date anybody like that. Thank you.
1: Drama, drama, drama. Drama. Yeah.
3: Save the drama for your mama.
1: Don't fuck this up, drama. I think we can
4: dispense with the drama. And you guys shall buy it. Eat it up and you love it.
3: You love it because you feed off that drama, you all love that drama
4: Enough with the drama
3: Everything they do is drenched in drama
1: Don't be such a drama queen
5: Oh, stop being such a drama king
1: No way, with drama there is no shortcuts Drama, drama,
0: drama Drama, drama, drama
2: Never leave your phone unlocked and unattended with a group of people who think it's time for you to start dating again. (laughs) I had been out of my really terrible relationship with this horrible, abusive, alcoholic partner for about nine months. And I was feeling a little dating shy. So much so that my friend Lauren started calling me the Puerto Rican Mr. Spock. Because I believe that no big decision in life should be made by something as capricious as feelings or love. I mean, I have human emotions. I just don't really enjoy human emotions. And I thought logic would be a much better way of deciding about your life, right? So I come into the room and I find my friend Eric with my phone. And he has rewritten my Bumble profile so that I sound, like, nice. And maybe, like, I'm empathetic or mm, slightly warm. I don't know. And maybe, like, I'm the kind of person who, if someone tells a joke, I actually laugh instead of going, oh. That's funny. And he's rapidly swiping right and left on people. And that is how I found myself heading downtown to go on a date with somebody that I did not choose. I like tall, dark, handsome, brooding artists, sort of like borderline alcoholic, not the actual abusive alcoholic. Somebody really to balance me out there. And I found myself meeting up with this short Bald, sort of pot-belly, hairy-back Englishman. (laughs) We meet up at the bar, and we're having our drinks. And like I said, I do tend to approach things in a very sort of logical way. And so I ask him about his situation, and it turns out he's about six months behind me in his divorce process, and he starts to talk about his feelings. And so I ask him about his feelings, and he begins to, like... I don't know, be emotionally honest and really bearing his soul to me. And so we order food. And the food arrives, and I have this huge artisanal cheeseburger on a brioche bun. And yeah. And he has this sort of salad-y thing with kale and an egg on top. And as the food arrives, he asks me this really sort of deep, profound question about love and relationships, and he knows that I'm also going through this terrible divorce, and it's a moment of choice for me. When he reaches over and pulls off a piece of the brioche bun. Now, the boundaries of my plate have just been violated, and internally I begin to freak out. When he takes the bun and he dips it into the egg on his plate, and I'm like... And then he turns and sets it back on my plate, and I realize it's for me. So I take that bite, and as I'm savoring that beautiful, buttery, creamy morsel, I realize that he's just given me the best bite on his plate. So I answer him (laughs) honestly and from the heart. So as we leave, we're walking out of the restaurant and he he surprised me. He gave me a hug goodbye. I feel compelled to point out to you that he's English and I'm Puerto Rican, which means we are on opposite ends of the personal space and touch affection scale. <laughs> so when he hugs me, I was surprised that he did it, but I was also shocked because it felt like The magnetic poles of the earth had switched and a pulse of energy came from the center of the earth straight up through the bottom of my feet and out the top of my head. And I thought, no good can come of this. (laughs) So we start going out and turns out he's really awesome. So much so that when like, you know, I haven't had sex in over a year and this is the guy. This is the guy. So I invite him back to my apartment, and I have, like, I'm so nervous. I have about 17 layers of clothes on. And the first time he comes over, we're there, and we start making out. And, and, and I'm just like, oh, God, in my head. I, I think about everything like it's I'm a scientist, so I think about everything. Like, it's data input and, you know, analytical thing happening all the time. And I just was like, get out of here. Just shh. Every time he kissed me, it was like time just stood still. Everything quieted. I was perfectly in the moment. And we start having a great time around New York. And the sex is fabulous. So good. Who knew? Little English bald guys. My type now. So we talk all the time. He's an introvert, but he's really chatty with me. So we are hours on the phone with these sort of whiskey-fueled teenage kind of chats. And we start doing all kinds of fun things around New York. And then one day he says, So... Um, We're on the phone late at night, and he's like, yeah, so when I move to Australia, I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, I need to leave my apartment at the end of this week because my lease is up, and I'm moving to Australia in a couple of weeks. So, okay, and we hang up, and I'm surprised by how completely disappointed and devastated and how much my feelings actually do work so the next morning i call him up and i'm like hey listen since you're going through the shitty divorce and i'm just through the shitty divorce i have an idea for a social experiment how about we just why don't you just move in with me for the next couple of weeks and we crash and burn this as the perfect rebound for us both And then you leave, and you're on the other side of the world, and we never have to speak to each other again. How bad could it be? And he says, okay. And he moves in with me. And I'm thinking, being me, this is a well-designed research (laughs) protocol because chances are, in the course of a couple of weeks, he's going to be so annoying that I'm going to be thrilled that he's gone. So he moves in with me, and he starts to do these things that really are annoying. Like, he can't figure out how to regulate the temperature in the shower. So much so that I have to, with a sharpie, write on the tile so he knows which direction to turn the hot and cold. (laughs) He doesn't know how to make coffee. The guy's almost 50 fucking years old. You should know how to make coffee even if you're English and tea is for wankers. So make some fucking coffee. (laughs) So um, the other thing that he does is he washes the dishes in this way that's really where like empathetic people are concerned about conservation and water and the earth. Where you take a basin and you fill it with water and you put soap in it and you wash the dirty dishes in that dirty water and then you turn the water on with this tiny little trickle and you rinse the dishes under that tiny little trickle to conserve water and the dishes are still dirty and gross when you're done with them so I'm just sort of like, <laughs> yuck. But the problem is As I realized, as he's doing these really annoying things, is that when he calls me into the bathroom in the morning to help him regulate the shower, I feel like he's just sort of flirting with me to see him naked, so I'll get in the shower with him. (laughs) And that happens, and it's really kind of nice. And when he gets up in the morning and he makes coffee, I realize that he's taken a pencil and written in really, really tiny little letters at the base of the calendar that hangs over my coffee maker, exactly how i like my coffee and if he's up before me he texts me and is like want a coffee and he brings it to me in bed and when he's there washing the dishes like that in his little boxer briefs and i'm looking at it going like ugh, ugh, he turns around and he gives me this kind of wink and a little cheeky grin and it just is charming so the night before He's set to move to Australia. We stay up all night just drinking whiskey. And I've left the windows open a little bit because he gets really hot when he sleeps. And it's February. <laughs> so we're in this nice little pocket of warm in my room and we stay up all night making love. And, and in the morning, in that sort of post-coital afterglow, I started thinking about Albert Einstein because that's what happens to me after sex. And I think about Einstein saying, we can't solve our problems using the same thinking we used when we created them. Maybe dating outside my type was a good thing. But I found myself in that situation of, in the quieting of my thinking and reasoning, I had created this space to feel something. And what I felt was I had fallen in love with him. And that morning, All I wanted to do was to tell him, I love you. But in true Star Trek fashion, I realized I had created my own Kobayashi Maru, the unwinnable scenario, because I loved him, but he was leaving. So I got up, and I took a shower, and I went to work without saying anything. And when I came home, he was gone, and he had moved to Australia. So about six weeks later I got a phone call and it said hi <laughs> I made a mistake and I need to come back to New York I said oh really he said yeah I was like well when are you planning on coming and he said well I'm calling to ask if I can stay with you and I'll be there in 36 hours so my little Grinch's heart expanded three times that day and I said of course you can come and you can stay with me and so 36 hours later he showed up on my doorstep the problem was that he didn't explain on the phone is that he was not coming back to be with me even though he moved in with me for five and a half months he was coming back because his ex-wife messed up the sale of their house in New Jersey so we were friends for a while in this nebulous kind of millennial way where you don't define what your relationship is. And sometimes it had benefits and sometimes it doesn't. I had asked him before he left to send me some data about how that social experiment had worked out for him. And on Valentine's Day, he had sent me an email. And his email had said the social experiment had caused him to feel gratitude. Because it made him leave New York with happy memories instead of just the complete and utter breakdown of his marriage, and that he thanked me for opening my home and my heart to him, and it allowed him to think that maybe he could love somebody again someday. So when he was back, I had hope that this would, you know, was going to be all romantic and Hollywood, but <clears throat> it was not. Eventually, I just said. I can't do this anymore. You've become my best friend. For almost two years, he was the person I said good morning to every morning and good night to every night, even when he was 16 hours ahead in Australia. Until I just realized I was breaking my heart on that stone every day. So I just said, fuck you, get out, I hate you. And so he did. Thank
1: you. Thank you. you.
2: Finally, I began to think, that experiment worked out really well for him. But what did I learn? I realized that I can't be as much as I really want to be the robotic Puerto Rican Mr. Spock. Like, that's my goal. But I can't really do that anymore. That going through this has actually made me... Maybe not think about and analyze things quite as much. Make me feel a little bit more. So I've decided that I want to be the Puerto Rican Captain Kirk. (laughs) And in that way, I can explore strange romantic worlds and go where I've never gone before.
3: is risk this is passion pit behind me now and we just heard from edith gonzalez you can find edith on instagram at egon dot the dot great <laughs> and before that we heard a little interstitial by our episode editor jeff Barr. and now i want to talk to you about the fact that you can't possibly have enough time be running off to the post office it's a hassle that's why you need stamps.com one of the most popular time-saving tools for small businesses stamps.com brings all the amazing services of the u.s post office right to your computer simply use your computer to print official u.s postage 24 7 for any letter any package any class of mail Anywhere you want to send. With Stamps.com, you get 5 cents off every first class stamp and up to 40% off priority mail. Not to mention it's a fraction of the cost of those expensive postage meters. We use Stamps.com at risk. And our school, the Story Studio. And right now, risk listeners get a special offer that includes a four week trial plus free postage and a digital scale without any long term commitment. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in risk. That's stamps.com. Enter risk. Our final story. On this week's episode, was shared with us uh, the last time that Risk was in Fort Lauderdale. This is Daniela Mitrovic, who you can find online at mushmoon.com. And here she is now, Daniela Mitrovic, with a story we call Rhythm is Gonna Get You.
5: Hi, everybody. Hi. My name is Daniela, and I battled suicidal depression my whole entire life. From the moment I would open my eyes in the morning, I would be filled with this overwhelming sense of dread, and this din would start in, kill yourself, kill yourself. And I would just always fall into bed at night in a collapsed, exhausted heap from the mental gymnastics it took to stay alive. On October 17th, 2016... I get the call that my nearest, dearest, bestest friend in the whole wide world, and his wife were in a motorcycle accident. A few weeks later, about a week before Thanksgiving, I lost my job by text message. So I text my friend Joanne I that I had lost my job, and she asks me, "Well, what are you going to do now?" And I chuckled as if the answer should be obvious. Well, I'm going to kill myself. And she texts me back, "Daniela, don't kill yourself. You are loved. This is temporary. It gets better." So then the next thing I know, I'm at Walmart in the sleeping pill aisle, and Joanne is frantically texting me, Daniela, go home, stop this, you are loved. It gets better, this is temporary. And this thought pops into my head, you know, if this is your last night on Earth, Daniela, take a lap around Walmart and enjoy the show. (laughs) So I did just that. I started noticing everything with this sad sense of beauty like it was the last time I was gonna be looking at it. The red package of the chocolates and the, the smell of fried food and merchandise in the air. Some mom losing it on her kids. The cottony pajamas in the ladies department. But I always found myself back at that sleeping pill aisle. So I bend over to grab what I need. And I feel a tap on my shoulder and I startled. I look over and it's this lady in my face asking me if I know where the rub is. I turn around, it's directly behind me, and she says to me, thank you. It's a blessing that you came along. I never would have found it if you hadn't come along. Now, there was a clear sign from the universe, just stop what the hell I'm doing and go home, but I couldn't help myself. I grab the sleeping pills, and I go over to self-checkout, mostly out of shame, but also because I didn't want to have to answer any cashier questions about what I'm doing with all these sleeping pills. So I go home and I start to prepare my means. And Joanna's texting me still, are you going to be all right? No. No, I'm not going to be all right. I was brutally honest. No, what did I have to lose? I'm not okay. (sighs) And then this thought pops into my head, you know, Daniela, you have invested 80 episodes of your life into this novella Celia, and you know the ending is sad because she dies at the end, so just, you've only got a few episodes to go. Just finish it up, rip your heart out, And then you can kill yourself. So I do that. And at some point in the night, I passed out from crying because the next thing I know, Joanne is busting through my door at 1 o'clock in the morning on a Monday, screaming my name, Daniela, Daniela. And I can't call back because I had lost my voice from crying. And she comes into my room and she looks at me because she doesn't know if I'm alive or dead. And I look back at her because I'm like, what the hell are you doing in my apartment at 1 o'clock in the morning on a Monday? And, And I had this pain inside of me. Right in my middle someplace that just washed over me like a wet towel. And the only thing I could mouth was, it hurts. Everything hurts. It hurt so bad. So she doesn't leave me alone for the night. She brings me back to her place and promptly to my therapist who says to me, Daniela, all we have left for you is electroshock therapy. And I said, get your fucking hands off my brain, Delilah. You're not frying it because it doesn't work like yours. For the rest of that car ride home, and for the rest of the evening, all I could do was stare off into nothing with fear. Fry my brain, that's where we're at. So I opened the computer, and I come across this USA Today article that said that the people at Johns Hopkins University had been treating people's anxiety with psilocybin mushrooms. How fortunate, I had psilocybin mushrooms on hand. I grew them myself. (laughs) It's like, yes, rock and roll. I grew them myself, and I gave a friend a tissue sample while I was growing them, and he gifted me with five tabs of LSD. So while I'm reading this article, this song from Gloria Estefan called Medicine is playing, and the lyrics are like, where you can fly on unicorns, we got the medicine for your mind. That's a song about psychedelics. So I had this flash of inspiration. I would take the LSD and the mushrooms together at the same time in a last-ditch effort to save my life. I would either go batshit insane, nothing would change, and I would kill myself because I couldn't live like that anymore, or maybe the research would pan out and I would get better, but I would only know if I tried. So I text two friends to let them know what I'm doing as I crush up the mushrooms and put them into a mug, and then they wish me a safe journey as I pour the hot water over it and let it steep like a tea, and then I pop the acid under my tongue and I hop in the shower. And the shower's warm and nice and cleansing. And then I start to feel this anxiety kicking up inside of me. It's building, 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 building. And I'm like, oh, my God, the acid is kicking on, Daniela. Get out of this shower. So I hop out of the shower as fast as I can. And I dry off quick like a bunny. And I go into the kitchen. And I choke down this mushroom tea that tastes like earwax-covered ass. And I shove a ginger candy in my mouth. And I grab my cigarettes to go outside and have a cigarette. And my vision is starting to do that Star Wars warp drive thing, right? And I'm sucking this cigarette down as fast as it'll go. Finally, I go back inside, I grab the computer, I lay down in bed, and the very last thing my fingers could do was hit the Gloria Estefan channel on YouTube, and bam, my world explodes in every color ever. And there's these faces starting to form, and there's these tribal patterns swirling in and out of these colors, and that anxious feeling that's building and building and building, it pops. It pops. And you know that half second before you come? I was stuck like that for an hour and a half listening to the entire Miami Sound Machine catalog. So after the psychedelics let up in about an hour and a half, I shake myself loose and I go outside and I smoke a cigarette. And for the first time since I had moved here, I noticed that pink Florida sky, the pinks and the magentas and the oranges all blending together. And to this day, when I see that color combination, I get misty-eyed. So I go inside and decide I'm hungry. And I open the fridge, and all that's in there is bottles, liquor, and beer. And I was like, this is a problem. So I took all the bottles out of the fridge and dumped them in the sink. And all the way in the back of that fridge was a box of dry macaroni. So I cooked it and I ate it. And I text my friends, hey, guys, I'm okay. I'm eating the most amazing plate of buttered noodles ever. (laughs) And Joanne texts me back in shock because she knew I hadn't eaten very much. Now, the music is still going. And I look over. And Gloria winks and nods at the camera. And boom! I am in a dungeon with this screaming, curly-haired, scared little girl who wear, who's wearing this multicolored dress, like electric blue and green and everything, right? And She's screaming, screaming, screaming her head off. And I decide to walk over to her very slowly. I don't want her to think I'm going to hurt her. So I walk over very slowly. And I get down on her level, and I say, little girl, what's wrong? And she says to me, I'm afraid to live. And I notice that little girl is me. And I was like, oh oh, is that my problem? I'm afraid to live. Okay, I got this. And I see a door and I say, little girl, open the door. And she says, no, I'm afraid to go out there. I said, don't worry, little girl, I'm with you all the way. hundred percent. I'm not going anywhere. We're going to go through that door together. So she puts on this suit of armor and she grabs my hand and this electricity starts to form under my skin as if the soul and body had been connected for the first time. And she opens that door, and the light burns her eyes as she takes this deep breath of fresh air for like the first time. And we go walking through a field, and we come up to the woods. And as soon as we get to the woods, we meet a black cloud in a blue robe, and its name is Depression. And the little girl cowers behind me in fear, and I say, Little girl, don't worry. You got this, I'm with you. I'm not going anywhere. So she takes off running, and she comes back quick as a bunny with a Latin minstrel band. They begin to play, and she begins to dance, and this black cloud in a blue robe shrinks to the size of a quarter. And we continue along down the path, and then we meet an electric cactus whose name is Anxiety. It zaps a little girl and knocks her out cold, and I can't revive her. And I see the band from before approaching our position. So I go running over as fast as I can, and I hurl myself at their feet. Please help this little girl from before. She needs you now more than ever they happily oblige and they start to play and life comes into this girl's body and she congas this electric anxiety cactus to death and we keep going along the path and it starts to get dark and cold and my stomach hurts because I can't see anything all I can hear is this girl in a scuffle with someone something and this light opens up and the little girl appears and she's kind of dirty and beat up And she looks at me and just starts to sob. And my heart just drops out of me, and I just kind of walk over and scoop her up in my arms and hold her until the crying stops. And we continue along down the way until we come to the beach, and there's a party at the beach with cake and the band from before, and I'm like, little girl, there's cake, let's go! And she can't move. She's frozen. And I look behind me, and I notice there's this blob on her neck, and that blob is PTSD. And I say, little girl, you got to move your feet, and there's nobody home. Little girl, come on, move, nobody is there. So I grab her and I say, move, do it now, dance to the beat of your heart, do it now. And life comes back into this girl's body and she starts to move, and this blob falls off of her neck and shatters into a million pieces on the ground. And I was like, I am done tripping for the night. <laughs> that, that was my breaking point. I had been tripping for 12 hours, I was exhausted emotionally and physically and mentally. I just needed sleep, so I pop a Xanax, abort trip, I'm done. <laughs> the next morning, I woke up, out, shot up out of a sound sleep, <clears throat> cause it was so quiet. That kill yourself noise was gone. And the sun didn't feel like a sledgehammer to the forehead. And the coffee smelled amazing. And I went to the beach, and the sun was warm on my skin, and I could smell the suntan lotion in the air. And, and the green in the trees and the bushes was so much greener, it was as if this soot of melancholy had been lifted from my vision. And I knew I had to shout this from the rooftops, but how do you explain an acid trip? So I wrote, and I wrote, and I wrote until I had all the words down on paper, but they felt flat. And I didn't think I could draw, but I picked up a stylus and a free sketch app, and I drew and I drew and I drew, until I had the whole trip illustrated and in a book form. Underneath that mountain of grief was magnificent artistic ability. All I had to do was let go and let the rhythm get me. Thank you.
3: That is all for this week's episode, folks. This is Broken Social Scene behind me now. And we just heard from Daniela Mitrovic. And you can find Daniela at Mushmoon.com. There's all kinds of ways to get involved with risk. One is to... Pitch us your stories at the submissions page at risk-show.com submissions. Another is to share the show with friends. You know, get people involved. Talk about the stories with people. Come to the Risk Podcast Fans Discussion Group on Facebook to talk about the stories. And especially fun is to come out and see us live information about where we're appearing next is always at risk-show.com slash tour. And listen, if you want to pitch us for any of those live shows, go to risk-show.com submissions. There's information there. There's suggestions of what the themes of those shows, those nights might be. There's also advice on how to pitch us, advice on how to start working on a story. That is all at risk-show.com slash Submissions. And don't forget, there's even more education around storytelling available at our school at thestorystudio.org. That's one on one training over Skype, that's our video courses, that's our in person workshops in New York and Los Angeles and Minneapolis, and it's our corporate workshops. It's all at thestorystudio.org. Folks, today's the day. Take a risk.